Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Ruri Barnum, joined by Tom Harris on what, let's be honest, is a sober evening. Um, Tom, I'll ask you how you're doing. I mean, you are a City fan. City have won the Premier League this weekend. That must be quite nice. Yeah, very nice. Um, <laughs> actually, because we were sat in the sun for the whole game. Um, but that was, yeah, a very enjoyable day. And obviously came back to watch some football and saw a very good game actually between Real Madrid and Valencia um, and the Grand, uh, Grand Derby as well between Sevilla and Betis. But obviously we have to, there's only one place to start with the football tonight. And that is unfortunately what's happened to Vinicius Jr., Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll go through to the football afterwards, as you're saying, because ultimately, I mean, I was watching El Grand Derby and I had it on, but I was kind of watching it through a bit of a kind of daze and, and scrolling through the aftermath of the Vinicius Jr. incidents um, because it did impact my ability to enjoy football, which is ultimately what we're here to do and to talk about it. I'll take us through a kind of timeline of what happened, just so that everybody's kind of clear on the events, and then I'll I'll come to you for your thoughts, Tom. So, in about the 73rd minute, Vinicius Jr. appears to be racially abused. He certainly seems to take issue with a fan, and he, he goes to the crowd, he points at a specific fan and said, it was you, it was you. Um, there in Susan Mele, Vinicius has kind of walked away, the game is stopped. An announcement goes over to Tannoy, according to the referee's report, at least initially. Um, this was about the throwing of objects as opposed to racism. Uh, Vinicius is asked if he wants to carry on. He says he, he wants to continue helping the team. Bear in mind, Valencia won the luff at this point. Um, and then in the final moments of the game, Georgi Mamardish Philly kind of get, gets quite angry at Vinicius, trying to get the ball of Yunus Musa as they're about to take a corner. Goes in with Vinicius, goes in pretty hard, kind of tries to grab him by the chest. Um, there's another melee. Ugo Duro takes Vinicius from behind, round the neck, and some may argue he's trying to hold him back, but certainly he has him round the neck for about five seconds and escapes punishment. I could totally understand why Vinicius would then lash out and try and slap his face away. Vinicius gets sent off. Uh, Vinicius then leaves the ground and does so gesturing to the crowd with Asagunda saying you're going down. 
um, and and is yeah escorted off. Danny Ceballos comes out off after the match, says that the gesture was bad, and that I'm sure he'll ask for apologies. Um, Courtois takes a bit of a different line, says I condemn the racism, says if Vinicius had wanted to go off, I would have gone off with him. Ancelotti is very strong in his post-match interviews. He says um, he doesn't want to talk about football. He refuses to talk about football in the immediate post-match um, and says he wants to talk about racism, about the problem that Spain and Spanish football has. He then goes into his kind of Rueda Prensa into the press room talks to kind of the entire press and says that a whole stadium was chanting um monkey at Vinicius chanting racial slurs um and get kind of gets into it with a journalist the journalist essentially says they were saying tonto not mono it says dumb not uh not monkey which is a point of debate various people seem to hear different things on that I'm not going to get into it Javier Solis then comes out from Valencia says that that's not true asks for correction from Ancelotti and then Vinicius comes out with his statement on Twitter, and this, this is really very strong, so I'm going to read out the entire statement if, if it will bring it up here, because it is just worth having kind of everything he said. It wasn't the first time, nor the second, nor the third. Racism is normal in La Liga. The competition thinks it's normal, the federation does too, and opponents encourage it. I'm so sorry. The championship that once belonged to Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Cristiano and Messi today belongs to racists. A beautiful nation which welcomed me and which I love, but which agreed to export the image of a racist country to the world. I'm sorry for the Spaniards who don't agree, but today, in Brazil, Spain is known as a country of racists. And unfortunately, for everything that happens each week, I have no defence. I agree, but I am strong and I will go to the end against the racists, even if far from here. Carlo Ancelotti also tweets out again, says, Today was a sad day at Mestalla, where a group of fans, rather than the whole stadium, showed their worst version. Um, it's time to stop speaking and act with kind of uh, condolencia, to, to act with kind of force. And racism can't have a place in football, nor in society. No to racism in any place of the world. Then out comes the actor, out comes the referee's report, where he doesn't make any kind of uh, reference to racist behavior. There then comes an addendum about 30 minutes later saying that um, there was a monkey chant in the 73rd minute. It mentions one fan, uh, that is all it mentions. And then Javier Tebas comes out with a, a tweet quoting Vinicius's tweet as well, which is optically not great, it has to be said, or certainly hasn't been received that way, where he says that Vinicius should inform himself better about who holds the responsibility for punishments, about who um, should be taking action here, and that in two of their kind of allegations or investigations, he has not shown up, um, which, regardless if correct or not, optically not great, as I would say. And uh, The Athletic have just recently reported that uh, Valencia feel they've identified the two fans in question here, so that's two at least, um, and we'll look to ban them forever from the stadium. So that's where we are. Um, sorry for making you sit through that, Tom, but I thought it would be useful to establish a timeline so that everyone kind of knows everything that happened rather than because there's been a lot of misinformation. There's been a lot of kind of um, information that's fueled from certain sides. I don't know if you have a general comment on this, first of all, Tom, or where you want to go from that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that you read it out from start to finish, that everyone knows what happens objectively, because it's it's a mess. 
and you know the whole situation I think is made a mess by people talking too much about it and skirting around the actual fact of the issue is that Vinicius Junior was racially abused and, and that shouldn't be happening it should never be happening and you know people trying to you know add caveats that, that he's a wind-up merchant or it wasn't all of the fans in the stadium things like that it's irrelevant you know th these things are happening they've happened many many times I think this is the 10th time this season that Vinicius Junior has had you know an incident involving him which has been racially charged and, and that is 10 times too many so yeah I, I don't really want to overcomplicate the issue by you know by, by giving it any more kind of what it needed it just needs to be said that this is wrong and you know what La Liga are going to do about it I'm not sure because if anything the problem seems to be getting worse you know we've had more and more instances it feels like this is the kind of fortnightly thing now with Vinicius Jr and yeah I think we're going to have to look at maybe stadium bans not just for individuals but for everybody because it seems to be the only way to deal with this is to punish everyone even if it's only the actions of a few yeah it's it's very hard to kind of work out kind of through the the murky and the kind of muddy situation here because as we're saying this is so charged by football tribalism as well and and people very much i can understand why valencia fans would feel enormously offended by that kind of accusation that the whole stadium was chanting uh chanting monkey and i can totally understand that i think anybody who is in that stadium who wasn't doing so and who didn't hear people around them doing so would think the same equally i think as you say there's a lot of people that aren't fans of vinicius and you can think that he's a prat you can think that he doesn't behave well but when it comes to this situation it's neither relevant nor helpful to bring it up in my personal view at least i think it, it doesn't really matter because Ultimately, what we've got here is a football match that's been ruined by racism because we've got Vinicius, who's just trying to go to work and is being racially abused. The fact that La Liga or Spain or the government, and it's important to highlight here that La Liga gather evidence and report it to the Anti-Violence Committee, which is a government body, who then decide whether to prosecute it in the local courts or not. It's important to know this is a guy going to work and he can't escape being racially abused. And we should be able to guarantee him that. Um, and yeah, it's 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 just so messy. And I was looking at it just in terms of the the kind of punishments and the way that the anti-violence committee deals with it. So we've seen fans already banned this season from sporting grounds for two years and given kind of four thousand euro fines. There is then a sort of higher punishment for racism in Spain. The, the next kind of stage of that law is between six months and two years in prison. Those who injure the dignity of people through actions that enter into humiliation, uh, degradation or discredit for mo uh, racist motives. Sorry, that was me translating on the fly, but that is the kind of next stage of the law. Um, whether, I don't, I don't know, I'm not an expert on the Spanish legal system, how easy it is to prove that or how easy it is to commit to that kind of level of crime, I don't quite know. But that that's where we are, essentially. I don't know, you mentioned stadium vans there, would that be kind of your next course of action here, Tom? Yeah, just because what has already happened in La Liga hasn't had an effect and clearly isn't going to have an effect if, you know, because... Obviously, you just mentioned that La Liga only has certain power in terms of what it can and can't implement, but clearly statements and, you know, Tannoy announcements and 
people saying things in the post-match and, and no actual action which is going to harm more people in terms of, you know, punish more people. It, it, that seems to me to be the only way to go because, yeah, as we say, the way it's going at the moment, it's only getting worse. So, yeah, it, it's obviously a very difficult situation in terms of what La Liga can do to solve this problem because it is a very, very messy problem. But I think you just have to look at it as, as simply, simplistically as, as, as you can and isolate the fact that this is happening too much and there needs to be, you know, a, a stricter kind of enforcement of law. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think if something continues to go wrong, then the, the natural action is to escalate it and take further action. And even if La Liga within their current kind of system are not able to take more action, then it, it's upon them to now look at changing that system and to look at making sure more action happens. And uh, yeah, thoughts go out to Vinicius tonight because you could clearly see that when he was sent off that he was not in a calm state of mind and yeah part of that was definitely due to do with the racial abuse that that he suffered how are we quite transitioned to football from that i i don't quite know i don't know if you have any further thoughts on the incidents or anything else to add to it yeah i mean i mean like you say it's it's a shame because with vinicius he, he's such an exciting player to watch and and you know we've seen some amazing moments from him this season he's always getting you off your seat but there's just always that added dimension that kind of feeling that the tension's gonna spill over and today it did and and like you said before I, th I thought him getting a red card but one of Hugo Dodo or any other players who were involved in that scuffle not is is quite a damning indictment of you know how Vinicius Jr is being treated because you know he obviously is a player who attracts all of the the headlines but he was not the only pet player in the wrong in that scuffle. And so the fact that he ended up being sent off and ended up reacting the way that he did, he's probably justified. Um, and yeah, obviously, it's just a shame to see an amazing kind of spectacle in you know, football terms, watching Vinicius Jr. play is always kind of, we're always on the edge of, of it just tipping over to, to boiling point. And, and it did tonight, unfortunately. But yeah, we're just going to have to see. We've got a couple more games of this La Liga season, you know, get through it, try to avoid any 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 kind of scenes like tonight and then see what La Liga can do in the off-season in terms of enforcing any anything extra. Yeah, and hopefully they do um, work out a way to enforce something extra. Should be said, Valencia did win this game. Diego Lopez, another youngster from uh, the Cantera from Paterna, got the, the opening goal and eventually the winner in this match finished 1-0 to Valencia and they ended up moving further away from the relegation zone on to 40 points, takes them five clear of Hitafe in 17th and Vidalit in 18th. Um, I don't really have much more to say about that game because, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was quite enough, <laughs> enough on that. Um, on to kind of their relegation rivals and, uh, yeah, I'll ask you to try and talk some enthusiasm about the football now, Tom. Uh, but yeah, Patafe threw 1-1 at home to Elche with a game that really should have been three points for Patafe, shouldn't it? Yeah, you're asking me to talk about football enthusiastically and then you give me Jose Patafe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was a bit of a bit of a disappointing result in the end for, for Los Astulones and they should have won this game. Elche are down and out and they went ahead earlier on with a, with a really nice finish actually from Munir. But 
yeah, they they conceded and and the noise actually when the state when the goal went in uh, from Lucas Boyeva Stadium just kind of collectively moaned and it was it was really quite a sight to see. But yeah, I mean, I've just been having a look at the statistics and obviously we knew what Jose Bordalas was going to bring to Getafe. Since he's come in in the four games, they've had 429 touches per game. That's 50 fewer than any other team in the division. Their passing accuracy is 65%. That's 8% lower than anybody else. 34.2% possession. That's 5% lower than anybody else. 22% of their passes long, 50% forward. It's it's absolute prime Jose Borda last ball. And, you know, it, it works sometimes. But, it, it, you know, this kind of style of football is difficult to implement when you don't have a team that is clinical with the chances that you do get. And if you're looking at this team, Enezunal is the only player who is actually overperforming his XG significantly to a point, you know, where he's an, an actual clinical player. And they're relying on him too much. He scored, I think, 48% of their goals this season. So, so they're going to need to find some inspiration in these last couple of games because they're right in a scrap. But yeah, they're going to scrap and they're going to pick up some yellow cards along the way. And yeah, we'll have to see if they can kind of find that magical moment just to just to keep them up. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned kind of that, the way they're kind of playing and the way that they're kind of struggling to, to take their chances. Borja Mayoral had their best and pretty much only chance since the Elche equaliser. Um, in that second half where he, he wasn't able to beat Edgar Badia from about 12 yards out and I was watching the final minutes of this pretty intently and they had Janay out of position at left back trying to swing balls in with his left foot and it was it was just a little bit it looked concerning for me even as somebody who respects quite a lot for Bordelas and what he's done and what he does do with his teams it worried me a little but Moving on from that swiftly to Almeria, who were at the opposite end of the scale because they had a, a thumping 3-0 victory over Real Mallorca. Vinicius Lazaro with a with a hat-trick here, a really good hat-trick, all first-time finishes. That moves for, uh, Almeria sorry, on to 39 points, four points clear of the relegation zone. Tom, this was a, a brilliant sort of addition or a brilliant kind of event for Almeria here. Yeah, we, we were always talking about their home record. Uh, that's now their tenth win at the Power Horse, so that is obviously a really important kind of bit, you know, part of their survival bid. And they're now four points clear with with three games to go, so they're just about edging towards safety. And you feel like, you know, they've got one more game, I think, at the Power Horse, and that is against Real Valladolid. So that is absolutely huge. And you know, based on form. Almeria probably should be winning that game. But yeah, brilliant from Vinicius. His second goal in particular was a real thumping effort. I think Luis Suarez as well coming into the Almeria side has really made a big difference over the top of the pitch too. Yeah, Almeria at home certainly are a force to be reckoned with. They seem to just have a bit more belief and certainty about what they're doing. Mallorca, of course, kind of... I mean, it's an easy pun, but a little bit on the beach perhaps having a... <laughs> Got gone four points behind Girona, and now that looks like they're probably going to finish in mid-table without any shot at that seventh spot. Um, and just finally, before we move on to part two, uh, we're going to touch briefly on Cardiff beating Viadolid 2-0. Another huge result that moves Cardiff three points clear, and Viadolid obviously still in the relegation zone. This was the classic relegation six-pointer, and Cardiff relying on that home record again come out against a wide lead side that is really struggling there. I think it's the last four they've lost. Yeah, I mean, Selim Amala is a big loss for them. I think he's out for the rest of the season. And I think he does a lot in terms of bringing the midfield and the, the general play closer to Kyle Larin, which is where Valladolid 
want the ball to be. Um, there's a bit of a lack of discipline as well. That red card for Ongla towards the end was needless. They conceded two penalties in this game. And like you say, that's now five defeats in a row, 14 goals conceded in that time. So slightly concerning, but really good result for Caddy. The, the atmosphere was amazing. And, you know, if you're listening to his podcast and you haven't seen any of the goals this weekend, have a look at Theo Bongonda's first goal in this game because it is an absolute screamer. Theo Bongonda, who has been magnificent for Caddy since he came in and really kind of uh, spiced up their attack a little bit with a bit of pace and the ability to kind of beat his man and, and did so on a number of occasions against Valladolid. We shall wrap up part one there and we'll get into part two and we'll be a little bit more breezier and brighter than we were in part one. We promise we've got Champions League race, Europa League race to discuss. We had Barcelona presented with the trophy on Saturday night and a couple more results down at bottom two. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a second. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Starting in with part two, welcome back. It's Rudy Barlow, joined by Tom Harris. You're listening to the La Liga Lowdown podcast, and we promised you plenty of fun and, and a bit more brightness in the second half of the show, and we had some big results. I mean, first of all, we had Villarreal beating Girona, and, and as a Villarreal kind of sympathiser, shall we say, I don't, I don't know if you qualify yourself as a fan or not, Tom. You can let us in on that, but they beat Girona Away from home, 94th or 5th minute, I think it was, Gerard Moreno uh, getting a winner at the back post, which kept alive their Champions League hopes at least until later that evening. I don't know what you'll think on that as well, Tom, but big result for Villarreal, at least initially. Yeah, well, I, I did a little fist pump when Gerard Moreno scores, so whether that counts me as a fan, I'm not <laughs> sure. But 
Yeah, brilliant result. Um, you know, I can't really keep up with Villarreal at the moment. Either they're on a losing streak or winning streak. They're being wasteful. They're being clinical. It's it's been all over the place. But this was this was massive, especially the way it was won in the, in the dying seconds of a game. And now Villarreal have guaranteed European football for next season. Whether it will be the Champions League looks a bit difficult now with with Real Sociedad's win at Barcelona. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, this was this was great, and Nico Jackson has been so impressive in recent weeks, and this was an unbelievable performance from him. Uh, I believe he's on now six goals and two assists in his last five games, so that is an unbelievable return. But both of the assists that he got in this game were just real shows of his speed, his dribbling ability, his strength, and his kind of decision making as well. And I think it was really interesting if he stays next season because obviously he was linked with Bournemouth in in the winter. He stayed and he's definitely increased his market value in, in, the, in the last couple of weeks. So whether that will tempt Villarreal to get rid. They've also got Bulaidia on loan um, in Italy as well. I believe he's on 15 goals and six assists at Salernitana. So they have some options up front Villarreal and it'll be very interesting to see what they do and if they can get Gerard Moreno to stay fit and, and play with one of those two up front. Yeah, it's been a bit of a season of what-ifs for me for Villarreal. And if Gerard Moreno had been fit, I, I dare say that they would probably be in fourth place or at least very much fighting for it in those final match days. Uh, Girona, David Lopez got the goal for them. Nico Jackson, as you said, assisted both Moreno's goal and Jeremy Pino's opener. Um, for Girona, it was a bit of a damaging defeat, but not disastrous. Um, they they lose the seventh spot to Athletic Club, who we'll come on to later, but they're still just two points behind with three games to go. So still... European football in play for Girona. Uh, moving on to Real Sociedad, who did, for me at least, seem to end Real's hopes of the Champions League, though, because they got a an excellent 2-1 win away from home at Camp Now. Alexander Surlot kind of uh, put the icing on the cake for them. That made it 2-0 after Mikel Marino had opened the scoring early on in that game. Barcelona, who had been celebrating all week by their own admission, um, didn't look too clever when Joe Koundé kind of dawdled on the ball and gave the ball away to Surlot for the opening goal. But this was a very good Lariel performance. Lewandowski got kind of pulled one back late, but Lariel were good for their win. It moves them five points clear again after that kind of Girona win for Villarreal. And with just three games to go, for me, it looks like it's all over, Tom. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Real Sociedad have been excellent this season. And, you know, we were saying that Barcelona were, you know, partying during the week, but they still have only conceded two goals at Camp Now all season. One of them a penalty, one of them an own goal. So for Real Sociedad to go and score two themselves in one game is is pretty impressive. Um, obviously, that's a big dent on uh, to Stegen's record chasing um, clean sheet tally. Um, but yeah, really impressive for Mika Marino again. I feel like he's kind of flown under the radar this season in terms of how good he's been. He's really high up in the list for kind of tackles, interceptions, passes. He's on nine assists, which I believe is as many as Vinicius Junior this season. So he's obviously doing very well in the creative department as well. But yeah, I think just look, you know, looking at the fixtures and at the form, Real Sociedad have Almeria at home, Atletico Madrid away. They should be beating Almeria away from home we were talking about their home record but away they've not been too clever and that will probably seal the deal for them and that'll be really exciting to see them in the Champions League because you know, they play some great football they've got some really exciting players and I think they could make a make a good go of it and uh, Real Sociedad probably do deserve this Champions League spot after kind of three four years of 
consistency. Villarreal, incidentally, I forgot to mention it, but 60 points takes them past either of the totals that they secured under Unai Emery in the last two seasons, which is an interesting aside. Um, I'm sure we'll delve into the difference between Emery and Setien in the off-season or the, or the end of the season, but Real Sociedad, it was uh, did feel a bit, bit of a kind of a, a moment when for that second goal, Martin Subimendi, who's been linked with Barcelona, certainly from Barcelona's side of things, um, as the kind of Busquets replacement and as the person that is meant to take over the duties or, or certainly Xavi's preferred option. Subimendi has himself on, on multiple occasions that he wants to stay at La Real and Imnola Guajillo came out after the game and said he's not going anywhere and that he wants to play Champions League football with La Real next season. That is his goal and it did feel like a bit of a moment when he dispossessed Frankie de Jong and then set off La Real on the counter-attack which which led to that Surlot goal um, so yeah Subimendi playing very well and and showing Barcelona just what they're going to miss out on um, as long as they stay true to their word but fantastic for La Real we did have the Grand Derby as as you call, as they call it um, well as some of the marketing team call it at least uh, Betis 0-0 with Sevilla, Juan Miranda sent off for a late horror challenge on Jesus Navas who had stud marks and blood kind of down his leg, it, it really was, that gave it the El Gran Derby feel, but it, it wasn't a thriller that will live long in the memory, was it Tom? No, definitely not, as you said at the start of the show, we were kind of watching it, kind of yeah, looking for more reaction from the Vinicius story, so I wasn't paying 100% attention on it, but nothing really happened in it that snatched my attention away <laughs> long period of time to be honest apart from that Miranda tackle at the end which was wow very very reckless and yeah on Hazel's Navas as well a couple of days before a Europa League final that wasn't wasn't very much appreciated at the Sanchez Biswan but yeah um really good from Sevilla just generally over the last couple of weeks obviously that performance against Juventus the other day was absolutely heroic and you know perhaps they were if they were a little bit fresher, they might have been able to take on Real Betis a bit here and punish them for a little bit of um, you know slow play. But that's basically Betis's Champions League push over now. I think they're mathematically out of reach. But yeah, not not the greatest of game. But obviously, you know Joaquin on his final Grand Derby as well. That was that was nice to see the kind of horrible reception that he got at Sevilla, and he seemed to be enjoying that as well. So. Not much on on the football side, but plenty of kind of you know fun narratives to to look out for. Yeah, the characters were out in force. I think Sevilla maybe narrowly had the better chances. I mean, Lamela put one wide that he probably should have scored, but Betis had a spell too. But nothing really to get get the kind of heart rate racing, so to speak. Keep Sevilla in with a shout of that Conference League spot in seventh place. I mean, they're just two points behind Athletic Club, who did finally win a game after I think it was three of their last four they'd, they'd lost in 2-1 two, two win over Celta Vigo at home and Yaki Williams with a eerily good strikers header into the corner then Jürgen Strand Larsen equalised before the Berenguer pulled out a fantastic effort into the corner this was also a very very good goal Athletic Club back on track and if they make European football I think they'll feel that in a tricky season they kind of come out with what they wanted yeah, for sure. I mean, like you say, it has been a bit of a stuttering run for Athletic Club, but that was a big result, especially considering Betis and Sevilla dropped points. Girona obviously lost as well, lost Asuna lost, so it was a really good weekend for them in terms of sealing that seventh place if they can get over the line. 
I mean, yeah, it was it was quite a good performance as well. I mean, Berenguer, I mean, he hadn't scored since September, um, since he scored in a 4-1 win away at Elche. I believe that was his 29th shot that he'd taken. Finally got his goal, so that was a nice subplot to follow. But yeah, really, really good performance from Athletic Club. And you'd have to say they're probably in the driving seat now for, for, the, for the last couple of games. Yeah, Berenguer gave a gave a large roar at the end of that. You could you could tell him kind of expelling some frustration, um, and I don't know if yeah, some fans might recall that last season he was one of their kind of better goal scorers, their goal threats, and he, he came up with quite a few good assists as well. So um, that's been another factor that's hurt them in this quest for a goal scorer that seems never ending. And while they don't have one seventh place probably isn't too bad to demand from Valverde or, or too bad an objective. Um, but but yeah, it, it was a good win for them. It puts them in the driving seat, as you say. Um, I don't know if you have any other major thoughts from this weekend, apart from Espanyol getting a vital win over Rayo Vallecano, 2-1 at Vallecas. Um, Sergi Darder on a mission, scored the opener, then went on a mazy run hit the inside of the post with his resulting shot and Oscar Melendo was on the end of it to, to tap it home. But but yeah, this was massive on the day that RDT, who did score a penalty, could potentially have sent his old club down. Yeah, that was fascinating to watch. You could see, obviously, when he scored the penalty, he celebrated wildly, so there was no love lost there between rather Domas and Espanyol. But I love Raya Vallecano, but I was kind of rooting for Espanyol here just for, you know, for the relegation race. I mean, we're looking at the table now. They're up to 34 points. Valladolid on 35, Getafe on 35, Cadiz on 38. It's all very, very tight. And if you look at the last game of the, the last match week of the season, all six of the bottom six are playing each other. So that looks absolutely, yeah, tantalizing um but yeah brilliant from espanol sergi dadera as you said was was very very good and he has been all season i mean i was looking into the stats and he's just miles ahead of any teammate in terms of chances created dribbles passes crosses interceptions everything he he is espanol's beating heart and you know he's he probably been unlucky not to have more assists to his name if, if, if you're looking purely at the data um, but yeah, him and Jose Lu are, are the key to Espanyol staying up and yeah, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see now if they, if they can do it because it's very, very close once again. They do play Valencia before the end of the season, I believe, as well. I think, yeah, I was at Vallecas for this game and um, right before Darder goes on that mazy run, who he does get fouled in the, in the build-up, he kind of goes to ground and picks himself up on the run and then beats another man before hitting the inside of the post. But just a minute before that, AC Palathon misses an open goal from about six yards out. And those are the margins, the little bit of luck that Espanyol needed. Because if that goes in, Rayo 2-1 up, probably favourites to win that game. And, and Rayo would have been sort of in that European race as well with, with Girona and Athletic Club in Sevilla. But but yeah, Espanyol survived. They, they managed to make this way through. And, and that's the thing that they haven't done this season is when they've had their chances, they've not taken them. They did today. And... Although, say that, a late Javi Poirot missed, which uh, which certainly got a few people worried that the same thing might be happening to them again. But uh, but yeah, they they haven't taken their chances. And then when they have got those leads, they've tended to throw them away with kind of silly mistakes. And, and this game as well, they did give away a penalty for the handball, but ultimately managed to just about outlast Rayo. And, uh, and yeah, huge three points, which keeps them in it. Because I think if they had lost that, it would have looked very, very difficult for them. 
And just finally wrapping up, Atletico Madrid were the drama-free team of the week compared to everyone else. 3-0 win at home to Osasuna, Yannick Carrasco, San Miguez, um, who got man of the match as well, I believe, and Angel Correa um, with a late third for Atleti. It moves them back into second, which I'm sure Los Colchoneros will be delighted by. I think they feel that they probably deserve it for the second half of the season. And Osasuna stay 10th. They are three points off Athletic um, in that seventh place and conference spot. Any quick thoughts on that one? Anything that really tickled your fancy? Yeah, just, just something that Mark Clark said on Twitter. Uh, La Liga's very own Mark Clark. We know he's very good at um, picking out these stats. And yeah, so Atletico Madrid are now qualified for Champions League officially. That's 11 consecutive seasons in the Champions League, all of them under Diego Simeone. And the club had only played eight seasons in Champions League history before he arrived. So that is a very, very nice kind of indication of where Diego Simeone has, has taken this football club. And yeah, really nice to see. I enjoyed Angel Correa getting on the score sheet um, today just because I think he's had to bide his time a little bit this season. I think he's one of the most talented players in that squad, but he's just not been able to get that kind of consistent run of games with all the talented players ahead of him. And it was nice to see him finish off well. So yeah, quite uncomplicated from Atletico Madrid. Slightly disappointing at Osasuna. You know, I think they're one of kind of two or three sides that have kind of petered off towards the end of the season. But, you know, they've had a great campaign and if they can just kind of keep in touch with that seventh place, maybe nick it on the final day, that would be a really, really nice way to, to cap off their season. Yeah, certainly will be interesting. I think Atleti play Espanyol midweek, which is obviously a big tie for, for both teams. Atleti will be looking for that second spot. Betis take on Tafe, that's another big one at the bottom. Villarreal, Cadiz, um, Elche have Sevilla, Vice Barcelona, Real Sociedad, Almeria, Celta Vigo, Girona, Mallorca, Valencia, and Osasuna Athletic is, is one of the more entertaining ties on Thursday night. We go again on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We have La Liga fixtures because this league does not rest. To to take us out on a positive note after a, a hard and somber day in which, um, yeah, a lot a lot of football fans perhaps felt a little less likely to be watching football again. Coming hours or coming days. Did you have a positive moment of the week for us, Tom? Yeah, there was a couple. I mean, I think Bongonda's goal was unbelievable. Just, you know, I love a goal that kind of cannons in off the underside of a crossbar. And that is one of the best examples of it, I think, in in, in recent memory. Um, but I'd probably say that Villarreal breakaway goal, it was just such a, a really nicely manufactured goal. Nico Jackson, as we said, did such a good job. And for Gerard Moreno, of all people, really, to be on the end of it and tapping it in and keeping Villarreal's Champions League hopes alive, then that was a really nice moment to, to cap off Saturday. I would directly contrast you with going through La Real's win at Camp Nou, which came, I think, for the first time in, I want to say, 40-something years. I forget the exact stat now, but the last time that they did beat Barcelona at Camp Nou, they also gave a guard of honour to the league champions and did it again this time. And this time it was hugely important for La Real and, and looks as if between two victories, one against Real Madrid and one against Barcelona, they're probably going to wrap up um, a deserved fourth place spot. So credit to Lariel. Thank you very much for your company this evening, Tom. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, very much enjoyed speaking about the football towards the end there. And like you say, we've got two more weeks of very, very interesting, you know, relegation battles and European kind of ladders to, to scale. So it should be really interesting. We shall be back on Friday morning with a fresh podcast. 
um, and hopefully a much cheerier one at that. Uh, looking forward, make sure you follow us on at La Liga Loden, where we'll be covering all of the Spanish football news, of course, and llonline.substack.com, where our written content will be going. And we do have an article out every day to keep you interested and, and to keep you abreast of all the interesting developments going on too. On that note, I will say adios and have an excellent week. Escorado a la izquierda, va solo Jackson, aguanta de momento el cuero, quiere hacérsela Iván Martín, se la hace Jackson Iván Martín, la pide Gerard Moreno, ¡Gol! ¿Ves? Al final mira, ¡Oh! contra y para adentro. A tus pies, Poli. ¡Gol! de Gerard Moreno! Balón para Jackson, Jackson gana el mano a mano con Iván Martín, dámela, dámela, dámela. Se la da Gerard Moreno y marca el segundo para prácticamente sentenciar el partido. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.